My guest today on Mission Impact is David Pisarek. David and I talk about nonprofit websites. We explore the common mistakes nonprofits make with their websites, why video is something your organization should consider for storytelling, how to start cultivating a relationship with the people learning about you through your website, and a quick and easy way to create a content calendar. Mission Impact is the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategic planning consultant. On this podcast, we explore how to make your organization more effective and innovative. We dig into how to build organizational cultures where your work in the world is aligned with how you work together as staff, board members, and volunteers. And all of this for the purpose of creating greater mission impact. Welcome, David. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. I am doing well. Um, I'd like to start each conversation with what drew you to the work that you do? What would you say motivates you and, and what would you describe as your why? That is an awesome question. My why um, is really kind of baked into my upbringing. I was involved in youth groups as, as a child and adolescent and teen years. And there was always a component of, you know, helping and giving back and volunteering and being part of community. Um, I started working in nonprofits in 2000, uh, managing web and all that type of stuff for them, and just kind of like evolved from there. It's just something I love doing. Um, I love figuring things out and thinking strategically about what it is and how to problem solve and and work around things and find solutions. Um, And, you know, part of what I also love doing is uh, educating and teaching people about things. So when you know, in terms of my agency, when we're working with our clients, we train them on the system, we teach them about SEO, we teach them about best practices. Like you don't want to put a giant wall of copy up on your site. You need to break it up and have some headlines and bullet points and things like that. Um, But we're about educating in that. um, And so like I've got a blog and a podcast as well to help empower the people that we work with and other people that are in the nonprofit world. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So just, uh, that's that's what you do. You help help people, help nonprofits really create better websites and and probably more than that. Um, you've mentioned a couple things, but but what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you see organizations making when it when it comes to their website, which really today is kind of a foundational piece of how you present yourself to the world? One of the biggest things that we find with our prospects that come to us, and we've also conducted an audit of over 400 nonprofit and charity websites. So we've got like this broad base of of data to pull from uh, to, to answer this question. One of the biggest things that we find is websites look old and outdated. Um, there's there's a client we worked with a couple of years ago. Uh, their site was actually redone in 2016, but it looked like it was from the mid-2000s. And mm. I'm sure this is you've come across a site. The listeners have come across sites where it's like mm, this site doesn't really quite look like maybe anything's been done. Like, is that organization still in business? Are they still doing things, or is this just like up there and it's kind of you know just like a ghost town? Yeah. So paying attention to um, updating information, but also kind of updating the look and feel of a website to make sure that, um, yeah, it doesn't look like uh, 
I don't know, a Victorian mansion or something. <laughs> you could have a wonderfully, beautifully designed Victorian mansion, right? But it needs to, um, the, if your website isn't working properly on mobile, it's it's an issue for your organization because Google and their algorithm is giving preferences to sites that are working really well and designed for mobile devices. Um, so the easiest way to check if you're not sure, um, open up your website in your browser window and then make your browser window really narrow. And if you have to scroll sideways to see any of the content, your site's not mobile optimized um, or likely isn't mobile optimized, I should say, um, that would be a good starting point. Yeah, excellent. So what are some other couple simple things that organizations can do to really Im improve their websites? You need to create an emotional connection with the people you're trying to reach out to. Um, so that can be done through the wording that you have, but it can also be done through the images that you've got or videos that you have there. And you need to kind of, you need to create this impactful story about your organization in terms of what you do, why you do it, who you help, how the donors funds are being used, the type of volunteers that you need. And you need to really weave that through all of the messaging that you have, not just like, we need money. You need to donate today, right? Why Why do we need to donate? What's the money happening? Uh, sorry, what's happening with the money? And how is it being spent? What's it going towards? And making people really care and be empathetic towards your cause. And that's going to really help organizations have ambassadors for your brand. And how do you help um, organizations kind of identify... Um what their story is and, and um, you know, how they can tell their story in a way that connects with the people that they're trying to reach. Excellent question. With regards to connecting, if you're going to be looking at imagery, things like that, it's hardwired in our DNA. It's scientifically backed and proven. You want pictures of people looking at the camera. Um, and because, you know, fight or flight responses from like back in caveman days, right? So do you uh, need to be here and fight? And we're wired to look at people in the eyes and being able to do that will help you kind of evoke that response from like a visual perspective. When you're thinking about the the story and the meaning and everything behind it, um, there's a couple of things that you can do. The first thing, or one of the first things, would be to connect with the senior leadership, the executive team, the board of directors at your organization and ask them, why do they care? What does this organization mean to them? Um, most likely people care about an organization because they are helping in some way, shape or form with something that has impacted their lives, their family or their friends. There's some kind of direct connection like first or second level to whatever it is. So if it's if your organization is about, I don't know, ALS, for example, somebody in their family or, or friend or circle um, has been affected by that in some way, shape or form. And so they want to help and they want to get involved and be able to, to do that. So really understanding why people care um, and then having that and and talking about you know here are the things that we're doing to help this here you know there's a media campaign or there's this awareness week and really kind of pumping up your messaging around those pieces 
Yeah, and that's why I love uh, asking that question at the the beginning of my interviews, right? Of why you know what motivates uh, folks to do the work, and and why why are they connecting into it? And it usually the story does begin in in people's um, growing up and how they were connected, either impacted by an issue or connected into you know service early on, um, lots of different things. But one other thing that you that you said that really struck me was. Um, uh, around thinking about imagery, and I've I've heard so much about you know our lizard brain and the amygdala and our fight flight, but there's there's fawn and there are four of them now I think, freeze and fawn, um, of our kind of that immediate response and that that part of our brain is always checking for, can I trust you? Are you going to hurt me? Um, and so, so int- I've never thought about it in terms of imagery in a magazine, on a, on a website, any of that. So only thought about it in terms of kind of, you know, either this kind of on, on, uh, in person, not in person, but it, you know, mediated through some screen event or just more that interactive. So it's so interesting that you bring that in also in the imp- imagery that, um, folks are using. So kind of thinking about it from that point of view, what's inviting, what's, what's engaging. Absolutely. What other mistakes do you see organizations making? So there's two other ones um, that I'd like to mention. One is making it really easy for people to connect with you. Um, In our audit that we conducted, we found there were a lot of sites, they didn't even have a phone number up on there like some really basic things have an email address your your mailing address your physical address a contact form on your site a phone number some way that you can reach out to that organization in a way um, that people can connect with you the other the other thing that organizations typically kind of fall short with are having call to actions on their website the best way to get somebody to do something is to have a call to action and typically a call to action is a button that you would have on your site with some wording in it right like donate now for example right or uh, volunteer with us or subscribe right things like that and making it a really comprehensive and short and understandable way for people to take whatever that next action is that you want them to take and what are what would you prioritize between those different calls to action um, in terms of kind of thinking about someone, you know, hearing about you, looking you up, uh, looking up your website um, in, in terms of what that kind of next step might be? Um, so one thing I wanted to mention, uh, I guess, side note from this is, uh, so on my podcast, the episode that we uh, released today is all about call to actions. You were saying have a call to act, call to action, right. and and the first one, the the reason I asked you the question was the first one you you mentioned was donate now, and I guess one thing that I'm curious about is, I guess an assumption that I have is it takes a little while to some to get someone to the point where they want to donate and and give money to your organization. That's not always true, um, you know. It may be that. Uh, and a, a disaster just happened. They looked for a list of who can I donate to um, by someone that they trust. They look at that list. Your organization's on the list, and they're gonna—they don't need to know anything more. They're gonna donate money to you. 
But in most cases, um, I would think that you have to nurture that relationship a little bit more before they're ready to jump to that action. So um, what, what are some of those steps that you want to kind of invite people into in terms of what that call to action might be? You're absolutely right. There are um, getting people to make a donation isn't the isn't typically the first thing that people are going to do when they come to your site. They want to get familiar with your organization. Um, I always talk about in terms of, of three things. There's the know, like, and trust factors, right? They need to know you. They need to like you. They need to trust you. And then they'll be willing to take an action of, of some kind. So you need to really kind of have your messaging put together. Um, one of the easiest things to get people to do is to subscribe. So if you don't have an email list, set one up. There's MailChimp, there's Constant Contact, there's Campaign Monitor, there's a ton of systems out there that you can use. A lot of them have a free tier. Um, I typically recommend MailChimp. Uh, it allows you up to, I think, uh, 2,000 email addresses in their free tier. 2,000, yeah. And they also have nonprofit pricing as well. So if you do need to bump up um, into uh, into a paid tier, they do, they do offer a discount there. Um, but yeah, you can embed a form in your website and get people to subscribe. And that's kind of where some of that nurturing can happen. So you need to set up the messaging. You need to set up maybe, uh, if you're a little bit more of an established organization, a nurture sequence, maybe two or three emails, just explaining, hey, you know, thanks for subscribing. We send out emails, you know, every month. This is kind of the type of stuff that you're gonna get from us. Uh, the second email would be, hey, here's, you know, what we've done recently or the impact we've had over the last year. Um, you know, hoping you might be interested in, uh, in finding out more from us. The third email could be, you know, here's our most popular, um, articles that we've published or video that we've put together, uh, looking forward to getting you our monthly newsletter, for example. Right. And then they get on the regular monthly, uh, email that, uh, that you'll get, or pardon me, that you'll publish, uh, out there. But, uh, in terms of call to actions to donate, unless they're like, you know, somebody maybe passed away and they want to donate to your organization because that's, you know, what that family uh, or that individual really kind of cared about or were passionate about. Um, typically, that donate isn't isn't the piece that they're going to go to uh, right away. So there are some other things uh, that you could do. I have uh, a podcast also. It's called the Nonprofit Digital Success Podcast, uh, episode 39. Um, so wowdigital.com slash 039, that'll take you right there. That episode is all about CTAs. So uh, head on over there, you'll get, you'll get a bit more detail uh, there. But in terms of call to actions, it could be contact us. It could be share this page or share this article. You could have some buttons for social channels like Facebook, Twitter, um, that type of thing. But some other CTAs that you can think about doing, um, let's say your organization was around uh, funding cancer research, let's say, and you're trying to raise funds for that. It could be like end cancer today or end brain cancer today. Um, or instead of subscribe, it could be keep me informed, right? There's different language that you can have, um, but something you shouldn't be scared of is having like two call to actions on a page in your website. So. You know, maybe when people load up your homepage, you'll probably find only about 40 to 50% of, of your web traffic actually lands on your homepage. Google wants to send people like 
deep into your site, into the content that they're already looking for. Uh, but on the top of the homepage, you can have um, usually the typical kind of designs. You've got like a big image or something like that and like a headline and a button. Um, so that button up there, that could have two buttons. So you could have one for like more info. So if you have a big campaign or something like that happening at your organization, or maybe there's a gala and you're trying to do some fundraising for that, it could be like, um, I don't know, RSVP could be one of the, those buttons. And the other button could be subscribe. And you can have that right up there and drive them to a subscription page um, from, from that side of it. Awesome, awesome. And just, um, you, you did say call to action and then you said CTA multiple times, but yeah, just for clarity, CTA is marketer speak for call to action. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another acronym that you use that folks may not be familiar with is SEO. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and kind of what are some, what, if, how do people need to think about that or kind of why it's important? SEO is again an acronym it's search engine optimization and really what it comes down to is how do the search engines index and list your website in their database so when somebody goes and does a search it's looking through their database it doesn't actually search your website live it'll actually they they have a cache of all the content on the internet so if you think of google they've got like terabytes petabytes they've got like astronomical amounts of data that we can't even comprehend um, on all the different websites and domains that are out there uh, in the world. So when somebody goes into Google and they search for something, it's looking for relevance as well as geographic um, uh, proximity. So it'll take a look at, um, like I'm in Toronto, and so if I went and looked for, um, I don't know, I heart and stroke association, let's say, it'll it'll find me results based, uh, because I'm in Canada and Toronto, that are as close to me as possible. Whereas if I was in Australia or Germany or somewhere else, it would show different results um, based on that. So SEO is about being found by search engines and being able to be indexed. So if your organization is let's just talk about i don't know cancer research because we were just talking about that moments ago if you're focused on that you want to make sure that you're using the terminology that other people the general population might be searching for because then you're going to end up ranking higher in the search results people typically don't really go past page two of google search results they'll end up going back to the search and typing again so if you think about the last time you went to google and you searched for something, that's probably exactly what you did. Um, if you're looking, I don't know, for a new hat or something, right? Like you'll go, you'll search and whatever. I don't know. Um, totally unrelated to, to nonprofits there. But uh, <laughs> um, but you might need a hat for your next gala. gala so who knows? <laughs> who, knows? who knows? So it's, um, yeah, it's important to have the terminology that people are, are looking for. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure that you have some kind of analytics tool in your website so you can gather data about how people are coming to your site, what are the popular pages in your site, um, and then you can create additional content around that so you can start to become more well known to search engines around certain topic areas. And one of the best tools that I can recommend is Google Analytics. It's free. Um, and you can install it on your site. If you need help with that, reach out to me, connect with me. We'll do it for you for free, no strings attached. We'll like get you going. Analytics is one of the 
best ways to be able to improve your web presence. And it, it's really important to, to have regular check-ins on that. Yeah, because I uh, certainly through mine, I, I have some analytics through um, just the service that I use. I use one of the, you know, like Squarespace and others that that make it easy to make it look good, um, but they're they're not as robust around analytics, et cetera. And I got Google Analytics set up at one point, but I think it's all falling apart. So <laughs> probably could do with some help in that direction. Yeah, happy, um, happy to help. One little kind of caveat is Google Analytics is sunsetting their universal analytics. So if you are going to sign up for new analytics, or if you have it on your site, you need to migrate to GA4, so Google Analytics 4. Okay, good to know, good to know. So what are some steps that organizations can take to um, improve their SEO? And, uh, you know, a lot of organizations, um, you know, th these are the kinds of things that um, may feel kind of beyond their sophistication or capacity, but I'm wondering if there's some kind of easy things. You talked about making sure that you're using keywords that that aren't just the kind of expert jargon, um, but really how an average person would look for, for whatever it is that you do. So that being an, an important element, are there other key things that organizations need to think about in terms of SEO? Um, absolutely. Uh, so, like I said right at the beginning, I love educating and getting information out there. I have a webinar, a free webinar that I run, um, where I talk about you know how you can leverage your website to get better impact, more donations, and more website traffic. And I talk in that webinar about SEO and the importance of things. And one of the best things that you can do is to add content to your website over time um, on a frequent, regular basis. So maybe once a week once every two weeks, once a month, whatever the cadence is that works for you, write a piece of content about whatever that keyword um, or the idea that you want people to find you under, right? So write content, and it doesn't have to be long. The There's people out there that are gonna be like, no, you need to write at least 2000 words. We've had a lot of success with uh, some of the clients we've done this for, where it was just five or 600 words on a weekly basis. And over a period of um, five months, we were able to increase their organic S uh, search traffic by 510 times. So, you know, short content, things that are easily digestible, things that are topical, maybe there's something happening in the news around uh, COVID or something like that, and you're related to um, curing whatever kind of disease based on mRNA, for example, right? Maybe there's there's a tie there, a connection there, and you can talk about that in some content, and you can try to leverage media in that way because people are already searching for that. Um, in Google Analytics, you can actually get some details in terms of what pages are the most popular on your website? Take a look at those pages and over time, make some updates to those pages. And Google is going to start to rank that page a little bit higher as well. Um, and just jumping back to CTAs, when you're looking at that list of the most popular pages of your website, make sure that the top 10 pages of your site, you've got a clear call to action on that page to drive people to do something, whatever that happens to be, because you're already getting traffic there. Right. Let's leverage that traffic to try to get them to do something else like subscribe or make a donation of some kind um, and, you know, affect change that way. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
Yeah, I, I've been in organizations where they haven't had, uh, you know, a communications person or a marketing person, and they've really struggled with um, being able to kind of keep that consistent, creating a little bit of content and getting it, getting things updated, because there's just this mindset of it. It kind of has to be really important or really meaningful or just perfect. And, um, you know, I think really uh, for me, the way that I've just tried to stay in being consistent and um, keeping things rolling is, you know, it just it's got to be good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and and you know, it doesn't always have to be super profound. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, I keep, you know, perhaps I'm boring people. I don't know, but uh, I try to try to psych myself into just um, uh, continuing versus getting into that kind of mind space that can be paralyzing. And I've seen paralyzed organizations in, in, in really keeping people appraised about what's going on because they had so many criteria that they felt like their communications had to meet. Yeah, and it, it's really tough. So one of the things I always tell people when I'm when I'm meeting with them is you need to take some kind of action. Um, for better or for worse, take something, create a bit of content, see how it works. If it doesn't work, modify it a little bit for next time. If it does work, keep following that same kind of path until you meet some kind of resistance or, or something like that. Um, what we find with a lot of our clients is uh, that they're reactive instead of proactive. There's one of the issues in nonprofits and charities is the size of the team, the time that the team has to get the job done. Uh, and then, you know, you might, you might embark on a project with the world's best intentions, but then there's fires that come up and there's wrenches that get thrown in and then there's red tape and meetings and meetings and meetings. And ultimately, at some point, you need to say, you know what, I need to actually just do something and, and make it happen. And, you know, taking that first step, taking that initiative is really what's going to help you because, you know, you can have committee meetings and you can meet with stakeholders across your the organization all you want. But nothing's actually going to happen until you sit down, spend time and do something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think people see technology tools, whether it's website or, or any other thing, and 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 they see all the bells and whistles and they want to do the, all the things. I was talking with an organization, a small organization. They only have two staff right now. They will be growing, but they're, they're only two right now. And, and they're thinking about um, their, their metrics and data tracking. And um, they have a database that, you know, is kind of infinitely um, expandable in terms of the things that they could track, could pay attention to. And, you know, I kept trying to bring them back to what are the one or two things that are going to be super important to be able to tell donors, tell funders, you know, tell your story. Um, you don't want your staff caught up in spending all of their time, you know, entering information into a database um, what are, what are going to be the things that really give you leverage? So kind of, you know, back to that, kind of keep it simple. Um, so what else is important for organizations to keep in mind as they approach their digital marketing strategy? One of the things that I think is important to do is, is really be strategic about how you're spending your time, right? And, you know, on the wall behind me, uh, you can't see it because th this is an audio podcast, but I have a board and on that board is our content 
calendar for the year. And we, we do this with our clients. You can do it yourself. Sit down with your team, with key stakeholders from your organization, spend an hour together, an hour and a half, uh, give everybody like a stack of post-it notes and just say around this idea. So we are focused on cancer, curing cancer, right? In the next minute, how many post-it notes can you write down with topic ideas for articles, right? And just sit and just like pound out as many as you can. Um, and then, you know, do that three, four times, have another topic idea, do that three, four times, another topic idea, three, four times. And you're going to find within probably about 20 minutes, you're going to have 40, 50, 60 different topics. Some of them are going to overlap, right? So you, you take those, you throw them out, who cares, right? But you've, you've spent a really short amount of time and you figured out, all right, here's all the different types of things that we can write about, or we can create videos about, or we can, you know, be featured on podcasts and talk about the great work that we do. Um, and it, it really kind of simplifies that process. So taking those post-it notes and then taking all of those magical days and weeks and, uh, and months that happen. So for example, like Alzheimer's Awareness Month, right? If, if there's content, some of those topics that kind of tie into that, you want to put those on, on those months, on those special days uh, that come up through the year, um, those, awareness, uh, those awareness type of days. And then you can plot out your content for the whole year. So within like an, a short amount of time, we're talking like an hour, hour and a half, you can have your content calendar planned for the entire year. And yeah, things are going to come up through the year. So you take the post-its and you move them. Um, if you want to use like tech tools, you can, any kind of Kanban board, like an Airtable or Miro or whatever, there's, there's tons of things out there uh, for that. Um, but yeah, it, it's a super great process. It really streamlines it and it makes it easy. And you don't have to think week after week or month after month about what it is. What are we going to write about this time? No, you have it already done. You grab it, put that together uh, and be done. Or um, you bring in people to help support your team. And that's kind of like where we where we kind of come in. We as an agency think of our think of ourselves as an extension of your marketing communication IT teams. And it's it's there's lots of agencies out there, there's lots of freelancers out there, whether it's copywriting, design, web development, strategy, branding, whatever it happens to be that you can bring in to help. Yeah, absolutely. When I when I was blogging on a regular basis, um, I, I just kept a running list of ideas, you know, and sometimes I'd I'd write a bunch down and kind of think about them. And then sometimes they would just pop up when I was swimming or walking around the block and I'd add it. And then when it came to the time when I was supposed to be writing, um, I would look at the list and sometimes I wanted to write the thing that was next on the list. And sometimes I kind of didn't. So I just skipped and found another topic. But I did really find that that not starting with that blank page was really, really helpful. So I love that process that you describe of um, just bringing a group to people. And it is amazing how quickly you can generate um, more than you could possibly even cover. So you feel like you start with, oh my God, what are we going to talk about? To then having a list of 50 things and you're, you know, you're good to go. And then, then doing that planning. That's awesome. We'll be back after this quick break. Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more at gracesocialsector.com resources. We're back on Mission Impact. 
So at the end of each episode, I like to play a game where I ask uh, each guest one random icebreaker question. Um, So what is one activity that you enjoy so much that it really makes you lose track of time? doing so much when you get into that kind of state of flow the flow yeah the state of flow is like super awesome right once you can like focus and you're just like sitting there working where and then all of a sudden it's two hours later like where did that time just go for me um with regards to the business side of things uh, that that state of flow kind of happens when I'm sitting down and really uh, working on strategy and um, and pr- problem solving, like trying to figure out, all right, here's here's the the issue, here's what we need to deal with. What is it that can be done to kind of work around that? But then going from that to actually doing it and jumping in and going, okay, we want to build out this new thing. So for for us, here's a great example. We want to have uh, better communication with our clients. We want to give impact more, give them more education and more awareness about the work as we're working through the project. So we created what we call the hub for our clients. And so every client has a page they can go in, they can see like a Gantt chart of the project's live project status and whatever. And when I had this idea, I was like, all right, let's just make this happen. And then like three hours later, I had the the first template put together. Um, and I was like, where did where did all that time just awesome, go? Awesome. All right, so what are you excited about? What's coming up uh, next for you and your work? What's emerging? Um, it's interesting. We've got uh, a few really great projects uh, on the go right now. We're excited to kind of move forward with them. Uh, we had a couple of meetings this morning already uh, with them, and we heard that the senior executive leadership love the work uh, that, that we've done. So that's like super awesome and exciting. Um, in terms of our agency, uh, and where things are going, we're kind of like dabbling and taking a look at uh, metaverse in terms of our, like what does this actually really mean? How can nonprofits and charities kind of leverage this? We're also taking a look at crypto, uh, so cryptocurrency and NFTs, uh, so non fungible tokens. You've probably heard about this in the news a bit with like artwork, and there's like 14 year olds that have like made over you know 10 million dollars selling their like whale uh artwork essentially um and you know what are some ways that nonprofits might be able to leverage that kind of newer technology and get ahead of the curve uh on it typically what we see is you've got like big business and then you have education sector and then kind of lagging behind education is like the nonprofit world let's kind of leapfrog that a bit and help them kind of be current as things are happening and being in the news. That's awesome. I appreciate all the education that you do for folks and um, helping them. Yeah, not not always being kind of one step behind. So that that's awesome. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking with you today. Thank you so much, Carol. Happy to be here. I appreciated what David said about some of the very basic things that can easily be fixed on websites that they audit. The first being look and feel. Does your website still like somebody should be looking at it via AOL in the 90s? The DIY website hosting and creation services such as Squarespace, Wix, and Weebly all have built-in templates that make it easy for you to have an up-to-date looking website and have it also be mobile friendly. 
all without having to know how to do any of those things. And the very basic, is there information on your website about how people can get in touch with you? And then beyond the basics, I appreciated David's points about building a relationship with people. And so this is likely to be beyond the website. And one thing you can do is asking them to sign up for your newsletter. And once you have their email, do you have it set up so that they will get a series of automatic emails over a period of time to educate them about your work? And then some considerations of how you might start using video to tell your story. Everyone can do a video now on their smartphone. What if you were to spend 15 minutes at your next board meeting having each board member record a one to two minute video about why they're involved and what excites them about the work you do? It doesn't need to be perfect and it doesn't need to be super fancy. And if you do wanna go the extra mile, there are plenty of people who can help you produce more professional looking videos for your site. Or at your next board or staff meeting, take his other tip and spend 15 minutes doing a brainstorm on all the topics you could cover to create a content calendar quickly. Thank you for listening to this episode. I appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to connect with David, his full bio, the full transcript of our conversation, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. That's missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. I want to thank Isabel Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as April Kuster of 100 Ninjas for her production support. If you enjoyed this episode, I really would love it if you would share it on your favorite social media platform and tag me. We appreciate you helping us get the word out. And until next time, thank you for everything you do to contribute and make an impact.